Hey, what's happening? Brian Kane, your Mental Performance Mastery Coach here, and this is the Golf Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. Excited to be here today with, um, unfortunately, Trey Carp- Carpenter, who's my co-host. He is out recruiting. He's the head men's golf coach at the University of Denver, and they did win the Summit League Conference Championship here in 2021 in Trey's first year as a head coach. So he's not going to be able to join us today, but if you're with us, we're recording this podcast live on the No Filter Network. We're going to put this out on my Brian Kane Mental Performance Mastery podcast feed. So if you're with us today and you've got a question and you want to put it inside of the group chat, we can answer that question there. If you're with us and you want to come in and be a part of the call live, all you got to do is go down and hit that knock button and we'll bring you in. So for example, Kevin Guzzo, one of the top high school golf coaches in America, is joining us here. Kevin, you're here in our audience. All I want you to do, Kevin, is go down and hit that knock button, and we'll bring you right here into the call. So when Kevin hits that knock button, it's going to pop up, and we're going to bring him in. And today, what we're talking about is we're talking about mental resilience and building mental resilience on the golf course, building mental resilience in life. Now, why is that important? It's important because golf is hard. Life is hard. There's going to be pandemics. There's going to be adverse conditions. There's going to be times on the course where it's not going to go your way. And it's your mental resilience that is going to allow you to stay in the fight. It's your mental resilience that is going to allow you to be a consistent performer. It's your mental resilience that's going to allow you to compete on the course one shot at a time. And when you do that, you give yourself the best chance for success. So we're talking about mental resilience. Why is that important? How do you develop it? Well, one of the keys to developing mental resilience is going to be understanding the skills that lead to mental resilience, especially when we're talking about golf. And in golf, you've got to be able to focus one shot at a time. You've got to be able to focus on the process and keep the process bigger than the outcome and understand what are the things that you can control in golf. And if you can stay locked in on the things that you can control, that's going to give you the best chance for success. So we're talking about staying in the present moment. We're talking about executing on your process. That's the other piece that comes into mental resilience in golf is your ability to handle stress, your ability to handle pressure, and your ability to continually do what we call push the Rock. And here we are joined with Kevin Guzzo. He's the athletic director and head golf coach of St. Joseph High School in St. Joseph, Michigan. Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. You're here live. You knocked and we brought you in. How are you? I'm doing great, BC. How are you? Doing great, man. Great to see you. Hey, what's really cool is right behind you here is I'm going to take a picture of you so we can put this out when we promote this podcast episode is I see behind you a picture of what looks like Sisyphus pushing a rock. <laughs> Did you have you up there? Yeah, when we're talking about mental resilience, Kevin, what is pushing the rock from your perspective as a golf coach and athletic director? Uh, number one, it's just trying to get a little bit better every day, pushing the rock, like keep grinding. Um, and then one of the messages we give with that Sisyphus story is, hey, you might reach what you think is the pinnacle, the top of the mountain. But once you get there, you can't stay there because there's always trying to there's always others trying to knock you down. So once you get to the top of the mountain, once you feel good about your performance or where you're at athletically, push that rock back down and start over and keep working. 
You know, it's amazing how like in the myth of Sisyphus, right, the gods who punished Sisyphus and made him push this rock to the top of the mountain, it would roll back down and made him do it for eternity. You know, they thought that that would break Sisyphus mentally, but Sisyphus had what we call mental resilience. And when he would push that rock to the top of the mountain, it would roll back down. You'd see him smile. You'd see him laugh because he realized that his goal was not to get the rock to the top of the mountain. His goal was actually pushing the rock. And he would push the rock with different technique. He'd push the rock with his left shoulder, his right shoulder, two hands. He'd go up backwards. He'd push it like a chest press and then come up and catch it and push it. And he kept trying all these different ways to stay engaged with that activity of pushing the rock and the monotony of that. And I think, you know, Kevin, when we're talking about golf and building mental resilience in golf and the ability to withstand the stress, to withstand the pressure, to create the consistency. Talk about pushing the rock with golf. How have you used that concept with your golfers? Yeah, I think it's staying to the process. You know, I, I think my athletes, my first year coaching golf, and I think they're tired of me saying process over outcome. You know, just every day, let's stick to the process. Every day, let's try and get 1% better. Every day, let's go through routines. Let's go through visualization. And then, you know, we're... We're nearing the end of our season. We got a, a regional match on Thursday, which is either do well and move on or it's the end of our season. And, you know, so I keep saying the same thing. Even today's practice was, hey, let's today we worked on the short game for the whole day. And let's just focus on the process of getting better at our short game. So uh, that's that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, like, let's just try to, to just get a little bit better every single day and not worry about the outcome. Let's not worry about our scores. Let's not worry if we're winning matches. Let's just try and keep getting better so that when we get to our, our biggest day of the year, which will be this Thursday, it's not any more special than any other event. But let's see what focusing on the process did for us. Mm. And, 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 you know, it's that's the amazing thing about golf is it is the ultimate process and it is the ultimate sport where it's actually the only sport where the, the field that you compete on changes every game. Every, or every round, every shot, every day. The football field's 100 yards long. We know that. The pitcher's mound is 60 feet, 6 inches. We know that. Home to first is 90 feet. We know that. Basketball courts might adjust a little bit, but the hoop's always 10 feet. Soccer fields might adjust a little bit, but the goal's always the same size. But in golf, it's constantly changing. And that's another reason why I think you need to have mental resilience. But Kevin, as a golf coach and someone who's a high-level certified mental performance mastery coach, what is mental resilience? as it relates specifically to golf? What do you think that is? Focusing on the next shot. Hmm. Um, being a one-shot warrior. I stole that from you, by the way. Um, you know, everybody's going to hit bad shots, right? And I tell our kids, I mean, we talked about that again tonight. You're going to hit some bad shots on Thursdays. It's it's who's going to be able to bounce back and not maybe just, you know, use a foreign and punch it back to the fairway and maybe now make bogey. You know, some people are going to panic and and maybe go for it and they're going to turn a par bogey into a bogey, double bogey. Um, so just having that one shot warrior mentality of, listen, I, I got to focus one shot at a time and there's going to be bad shots. But the mental re resilience is do I bounce back win. what's important now. Mm. Right. What's important now? The next shot. So flushing that. And and trust me, I, I have not mastered it at all. I, I've I've been working with you for many years now and I feel like. I've got a lot to do now that I'm trying to um, teach this to the student athletes in a more hands-on approach. And it's tough for high school kids to flush it. It's tough for high school kids when they slice it and take an OB. It's tough for them to bounce back. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's what separates 
pars and bogeys from doubles and triples is being able to bounce back and have that resiliency. No, and, and let's not just leave this to the high school kids that you're coaching, Kevin, because I'll tell you that, uh, you know, when you and I first met, I didn't own golf clubs and I didn't play. And now I live on a golf course. I've caddied on the PGA Corn Ferry Tour. I've worked with, you know, some of the top college golf programs in the country. I was just at the NCAA Golf National Championships at Greyhawk and Scottsdale. And I play myself now. And I will tell you, it is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be to maintain self-control on the golf course, to stay and get to the next shot. Like I'm not good. I have not earned the right to get frustrated and I get frustrated because I'm a competitor and I want to be good. And I feel like I'm putting in all this work. Why is it not translate into the course? Right? So I think for golfers and I saw, I saw it caddy on the corn Ferry tour. I was out in Vegas with, with the guy I was working with who was ranked, you know, in the money list, probably 150. And we were out in a group the first two days with the guy who was number one and the guy who was number five. And so here's two guys that are getting their PGA tour card going up at the end of the season. And they all got frustrated. I mean, I saw them all slam clubs, you know, curse on the course. Um, and, and it was like interesting to me because when we talk about mental resilience, I don't think, and, and some golf coaches, this would be an interesting question for you, Kevin, is some golf coaches, and I had the, the Marquette men's golf coach and the Denver men's golf coach, Steve Bailey at Marquette, Trey Carpenter, who you know from Denver, were out to the house uh, recently. And I am happy to say and proud to say that we played nine holes at the rim or 18 holes at the rim club from the tips, and I beat them both. Stroke play. That should not happen. You I beat them both? Yeah. You see how surprised you were? I beat them both. I beat them both. I, fi- I fired a 41 on the back nine to shoot 90, which if I got my handicap would have been a course record because I would have gotten 32 strokes. So it would have been what a 58, right? So it would have been the course record, which is 59 held by Jake unit. Um, but unfortunately they didn't give it to me. So it's still a 90, but I beat those guys and I hope they listen to this and I hope I'm going to rub it in Drake's face the next time I see him because you shouldn't get beat by the mental performance coach. who's only been playing for two years, but what I'm, what I forgot where I was going with this is that mental resilience, right? Mental resilience is, is it was, is the three of us were having a conversation is one coach was like, man, I don't want my guys slamming clubs. I don't want my guys cursing. I don't want them showing negative emotion on the course. And the other coach was like, and these two guys were on the same staff for a while. The other coach was like, I'm okay with a club toss. I'm okay with a little bit of cursing. I'm okay with them getting frustrated as long as they flush it before the next shot and they're totally present. They are recommitted to their process and they have a positive mental image of what they're trying to do on the next shot. And one coach said, as long as my guys get it out of them and they're resilient enough to get back to the next shot, he said, I think it's more likely for them to do that than to be so resilient that after a bad shot, they are just able to move on to the next shot instantly and not show any negative energy or frustration. He said, I think that all builds and they never have a way to release it. And they, and it compounds and it negatively affects their game because they're more focused on not showing any emotion than they are and eventually getting to the next shot. What's your take on that, Kevin? Yeah, I, I think at that level, you could probably get away with it a little bit more because skill level is different. Their mindset's a little different. I mean, for my golfers this year, probably a lot of high school levels, the, the idea of mental performance is probably at the introductory level. Um, so for me, it's, it's, I say all the time, I never want to come up and approach you and know if you're playing good or bad. Like, I don't ever want to see bad body language. I don't want to see really good body language. I just want you to play golf and keep your emotion to yourself. So, you know, we you typically have six golfers playing, sometimes five. 
I'm buzzing all over trying to touch base with everybody. And I haven't been really good at that yet either. But, you know, when I approach, I don't want to see any emotions. I don't want to know if you're playing good or bad mm. because I don't want them to get caught up either too much on the good side or the bad side. At the high school level, that and probably more than high school level, I just don't think at least my kids aren't mature enough or mentally resilient enough to to be able to stop that. So if they throw a club, they might be done for two holes, probably mm-hmm. longer. So that's that's something we I've just tried to preach over and over and over. I mean, I got a long way to go. I mean, we're just we're just at the beginning here. Sorry, my phone keeps ringing. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I think that's I think that's real. You know, I mean, I think it's real that that. Yeah, as a, there's a lot of golf coaches are going to say, Hey, I want, I want you to not show emotion. I had one college golf coacher who go or college golfer who played, you know, in the pack 12 at one of the top three schools in the country. And he said, our coach would make us run stadiums. If I would slam a club, you know, or guys would toss a club. And then he'd be like, I'd be in a group with one another guy from ASU who was in the top 10 in the world or whatever. And he would slam a club and I wouldn't. And then that guy would, I'd have to run and he wouldn't. And it's like, you know, he just, he lost that golfer lost a little bit of respect because he's like, everyone's got different rules, you know? And then I think that's the hard part as a college coach or high school coach is like, if you're going to make a rule that says, Hey, if you, if you show negative outward emotion, there's this consequence. And then I think players are so focused on not showing emotion that they're not focused on just getting to the next shot. Now it's all got to be within reason, right? I mean, you don't want someone drawing attention to themselves. It's like, I'll say to a baseball player, Hey, I'm okay with you getting frustrated and pissed and slamming a bat into the bat rack or pushing your helmet in hard or clapping your hands or something to get yourself to release. That doesn't mean you can come into the dugout and spike a helmet. Like you scored a touchdown in football. And that's going to bring, that's going to make us look like, um, you know, a very immature team, which we don't want to do. So I think it's got to be channeled the right way. And where we're getting at this is if you're going to build mental resilience, that release process that you're talking about to help you get to that next shot, that needs to be practiced. And, you know, how do you, pra- how do you get your golfers, Kevin, as a, as a high school golf coach to practice releasing the last shot and getting on to the next one? Is it something you just talk about or do you guys practice it? I'll be honest. We have not done a good job of that this year. Um, mainly because I feel like I'm just introdu- introducing a lot of these ideas hmm. and we focus more on the pre-shot routine than the post-shot routine. Hmm. Um, and, and that's been a struggle because Again, a lot of these kids just aren't used to this. So to get them to say, all right, as you approach the ball, think think box, play box. Uh, what's your pre-shot routine? And just for me this year, that was my goal. I mean, I think next year going further, I'll try and get into a post-shot routine. And I did the the slideshow that you did with Cal State Fullerton where everybody was supposed to have a pre-shot routine, a post-shot routine. But uh, what I've learned very quickly is um, to try and get them to buy into all that and practice all that and make them good golfers. There's just not enough time in the day. Oh, this year we just focused on pre-shot routine. So when we talk about working the hourglass, and if you're listening to this as a podcast and you're driving, I want you to get the image of an hourglass. And when you come into the top of the hourglass, that's going to be pre-shot. When you're in the middle of the hourglass, that's when you're over the ball. And then coming out of the hourglass would be what I call post-shot. So the pre-shot routine, the top part of the hourglass, you've got, as Kevin mentioned, the think box. And the think box is where you're gathering all that data. Wind altitude, yardage, lie, temperature, what's the distance I'm trying to hit? What's my target I'm trying to start at? Where do I want my ball to land? What's the shot shape I'm going to hit? All of those things come into play. What's the club I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the trigger with to hit that? Once you have that decision-making, you grab your club, 
you, you know, you, you've made a commitment to the club you're going to hit. You restrap the glove to reinforce that commitment. And then we go through what I call TIF, your target image feel. Okay, there's my target. I'm aiming at that tree. Here's the image of my shot and hitting a little bit of a fade. Here's the swing that I make where I'm going to feel what that shot feels like. Then once I've gone through that process, they take a deep breath and cross what we call the commitment line. They cross that commitment line and then they walk up to the ball. Now they're out now on the inside of the hourglass. When once when I'll do this with videos where I'll videotape a golfer from the time they take that last breath and take the step towards the ball to cross the commitment line. And Kevin, this might be something you can do with your golfers is I'll videotape that routine. And then when they go up to the ball, I want to see that that looks like it's the same thing. So they come up, put down the club head, you know, look at the target, adjust the back foot, adjust the front foot, a little bit of a waggle, put both hands on the club, look back at the target, back to their ball, one waggle, boom, and they go. In that time, in that video, from the time they take the breath to cross the commitment line until ball strike should be the same. Now, when we say the same, what does that mean? I'll say within a second of each other, right? So I'll videotape that when I'm going, I'll say walking around with one of my golfers, I'll videotape all of his tee shots. And then we'll look at all the tee shots to see how consistent was he in that time from crossing the commitment line until ball strike. And then I'll take maybe 10 iron shots. How consistent was he in the 10 iron shots? 10, 10 wedge shots, you know, 10 putts from the time he get he, he, you know, gets behind, reads the green, walks up, does his practice swings, and then puts the club right behind the ball. What's the time from like that trigger club behind the ball until ball strike, or what's that time, that trigger from the breath until ball strike. And we want to record that and see if he's consistent. And my friend, Scott Fawcett, who created the decade program we've had here on the golf mental performance podcast before he talked about a, a, a time with Tiger Woods where almost every one of Tiger Woods shots, I think it was in a U.S. Open, was the same time, like to the tenth of a second. It was like the same. It was ridiculous. So that's the pre-shot. That's the over the ball. And then the post shot is once you hit the shot, you step back and you say, OK, let me try to evaluate this as neutral as I can. I don't have to get positive. I don't have to get negative. I want to stay neutral. And part of how we stay neutral in the post-shot routine is I picked this up from a guy named Lanny Basham and his book that he wrote, um, I think it was called With Winning in Mind. And he was, an, he was a pistol shooter or a, a, a shooter in the Olympics. And he would say when he would hit his target, he would reinforce that by saying, that's me. When he would miss his target, he would say, needs work. And I think that's what we want to do with golf is after I hit the ball and I step back and I watch the flight and I watch where the ball goes. If I hit it the way I want, I want to say, that's me. If I don't hit it exactly how I want, I say that needs work. And that's me needs work becomes the neutral self-talk that I use after hitting a shot. And then if I'm playing with a cart, I'll clean my club in the clean in the club cleaner. I'll towel it off. I'll put the club into my bag. I'll get in the cart and drive. And I unstrap my glove. And when I unstrap my glove, that shot's done. I'm out of the hourglass and I'm in no man's land doing whatever. If I'm walking, I can clean my club. And when I put my club in the bag and then unstrap my glove, when I unstrap my glove, that's, that shot is over. And I'm in no man's land between shots or no woman's land between shots. If I take my glove off, I'm out. I'm out of the hourglass. And when I get to the next shot and I put my bag down and I start running back through my pre-shot routine, when I put the bag down, I enter the hourglass. When I pick the bag up and I take my glove off, I'm out of the hourglass. 
And sometimes you pick up the bag and you got to walk and it takes you a while to come out of the hourglass because you're frustrated. But mental resilience in golf is your ability to let go of that shot and get completely present before the next one. That's mental resilience. Mental resilience to me in golf is simply being present for every shot, having a process you run through for every shot and seeing a positive image of what you're trying to do. It's really difficult to not show any, call it negative emotion or frustration when you're out there. I do think the pendulum swings both ways. I think sometimes when we show negative emotion, we have to work that much harder to bring it back. But I do think it's easier to have a predetermined release that you would practice. Unstrap the glove, club in the bag, clean off my my club grooves or with my, my club cleaner or a towel. It allows me to let that go. Now, when I'm caddying for guys professionally, I will say, do not hand me your club until you're done with the shot. So they come into their hourglass, they run all the data, they know the shot they want to hit, they get over the ball, they hit the ball, they pull it left, it's in the rough. I'm going to say, start walking with your driver. And when you're ready, give it to me. And then we're out of the hourglass. And we're talking about anything, whatever we want to talk about. Could be golf, could not. When we get to the ball and we put the bag down and we start running numbers, we're in the hourglass. When you know the shot you want to hit, the glove goes on. You go through, you confirm your, your data, you do your TIF, target image feel, you take your breath, you cross the commitment line, you hit the shot. You either say, that's me, needs work. You hand me back the club. If you're in green lights and you like the shot, I clean it, put it in the bag. If not, you go walking with it and I follow behind you. When you're ready, you hand it to me. And that's the process. And if you're holding on to the last shot, hold on to the club that you hit the last shot with. Mental resilience is then when that shot is done, you hand me the club and it's over. So that's the process that we want to practice. So on the range, often what I'll do, we talked about already timing the routine from the time you finish your breath, cross the commitment line and ball strike. The other thing that we'll do is have you hit what I call shadow shots, right? And shadow shots are there's no ball. So we might put down a tee, you go up, you hit, and we might use even a wiffle ball, whatever it is, and you go hit a ball. We know it's not going to go anywhere. So there's either no ball or it's a, it's a wiffle ball. So there's no real emotional attachment to the outcome of hitting the shot. And the reason why we start that way is I want you to learn what you're going to do to release or how you're going to come post-shot routine without all the contextual interference of you being frustrated. I want you to practice what you're going to do to have mental resilience on the course in a more quiet, controlled environment before we start putting in competition, before we start putting in uh, real balls. So it's just like when you were a kid and you were learning how to hit golf balls, they didn't, didn't bring you out to Augusta and stick you on this 18th and they go, here we go, let's get started. No, no, no. You started with swinging on air, swinging and hitting a tee in the ground, swinging through grass, hitting plastic balls, hitting into a net so there's no outcome. No different with the mental game. And if there's PGA Tour golfers who have no post-shot routine or process to let go of the last shots, what do we do? We remove the outcome and we practice the process. They practice the post-shot routine. We practice letting go of that last shot. And then what we do is we go in and we practice getting ready for the next shot. How do I come into the next shot? And I'll give them yardages on the range and go, okay, we want to hit something 175 yards. Let's, let's laser. What's our target? Okay. What is the shape I want you to hit? What are you going to hit? And they're talking through just like they would on the course right there on the range. And then we go. And I've even, if let's say we we're going to play um, in a regional in Nashville, Tennessee, I'd get the course layout. We're on the range in Denver. 
that's okay. First hole, 570, you know, yard, and we're going to hit a driver and the fairway pinches in here. So we want to hit the driver, you know, at least 270, but not more than 310 is, you know, what, what are we hitting here? And they'll go, okay, we're hitting drivers. So here we go. And they would, they would say it's an 80% driver or it's a hundred percent driver, whatever. What's the shot shape you want to hit, right? So we're playing that hole from the course in Nashville on the range in Denver. And then once they hit that shot, I'd say, okay, here's our second shot. We got 170 yards to this bunker here, 195 to the green. There's water on the backside. What do you want to hit? What's the shot shape? Now, would then laser a spot on the range and go, okay, that's where we're trying to go. And then if they hit it and it's like 10 yards short, I go, hey, that's in the bunker. Here we go. Now you got a chip or I'd say that's in the water. We're going to drop here. Here's what we got to do. And we're literally playing that hole in Nashville on the range in Denver, practicing the process, practicing the shots practicing how they want to compete. And then when they get out there, they've had reps and they've had experience of how they want to manage themselves. Remember with this mental performance mastery podcast for golf, we go into three key pieces, course management, swing management, self-management. And if you want to get better with swing management, what do you do? You go swing. If you want to get better with course management, what do you do? You go out with a Scott Fawcett, you go out with a decade system, you go out with a course management system, and you work that process. How do you get better at self-management? That's the mental resilience training. That's my 30-day athletes course. That's the coach's certification. So if you want to have more resilience in golf, you have to train how to have more resilience in golf. Because it's the resilience that you have in golf that's going to make the difference between whether you succeed or whether you fail. And I think that might be the biggest skill when it comes to golf. And resilience is your ability to handle pressure, your ability to stay present, your ability to go one shot at a time, your ability to stay motivated and committed and push the rock to do the work that it takes. It's your ability to create the shot mentally, like Phil Mickelson talks about being able to see every shot before he hits it. It's your ability to manage the 168 hours a week that you have of time to give you the best chance for success. Kevin, he's back in the room with us. Join us, man. You disappeared there for a while. That's what happens when you're in a golf coach and an athletic director. You get pulled in a lot of directions, man. Let me ask you this, Kevin. We're talking about resilience today, mental resilience in golf. As a coach, as an athletic director, you know, you get pulled in a lot of directions, a lot of stress. What's something that has stuck out to you that you would say, this has helped you manage the pressure and stress that you have as a golf coach, a father who has a kid on the team, an athletic director? How do you manage all that, man? That's a lot. I wish I had a good answer for that too. Um, I think routines, uh, I've got back to having a pretty good 168 plan. Um, because when I took this golf job on, I, I thought, Oh, this would be great. I got, I, I mean, I can handle it. It's been a lot harder than I thought it would be trying to, uh, like tonight with a district baseball game. So making sure that, that was set up while I started my practice and, um, so just having a really good 168 that says, all right, at this time I'm doing this, at this time I'm doing this, at this time I'm doing this, having a good support system. I mean, my family's awesome. My wife is great. I, I've called her my uh, assistant golf coach because she's the one getting up early, making breakfast, breakfast sandwiches for the kids and packing the cooler and doing all those little things that I really don't have time for. Um, yeah. And then just having a little stress relief, like going for a run once in a while getting up early. I'm just finding some time for myself. And sometimes that might sit in a recliner by myself at 11 o'clock at night, but just finding some time for myself so that I can unwind and clear my brain. Cause it gets foggy, it gets foggy a lot. I'm kind of a OCD when it comes to golf. Like I, I want to give the kids the best experience possible. And I, I can't stop thinking about it. So I, sometimes I just got to clear my brain. 
Uh, I love it. You know, we call that, we call that obsession. And I think one of the characteristics of all great performers, whether it's Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, you know, Mike Trout, whoever it is, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Hank Haney, they're obsessed. So I think that's the characteristic about people that if they're going to do something, there's one way to do it the right way. Or again, and Kevin, the one thing you know, I know you're doing is you're doing things the right way. I love when we talked about how do you, how do you create resilience for yourself? You said having a 168 for our listeners, a 168 is there's 168 hours in a week. And I did a podcast earlier with Jonathan Falcone, who was a goalie on the lacrosse team at Yale University, one of the first lacrosse teams I worked with. And he got done with his playing career. He went to work on Wall Street, and then he enlisted in the Navy. He became a lieutenant in the Navy. He went back to the master's degree at Princeton, and he's now a professor at the Naval War College. Lieutenant Jonathan Falcone is about as, as, as great of a human being and as successful as, as you would want any of your children to be. And I happened to be at Brown University working with their women's lacrosse team, and he was in the area because of War College is in Newport, Rhode Island. And he saw that I was there somehow, I think, on social media and said, hey, Kaner, let's get together. I said, hey, Lieutenant, why don't you come speak to women's lacrosse team? I want to hear, hear what you've learned and what you've taken from Yale lacrosse that you used in the Navy and you're using now in life. But I don't want that to just live with you and I. Let's get that to the lacrosse team at Brown. So next thing you know, he's there talking to the women's lacrosse team. One of the things he said that stuck out to me I thought was so good is he said, what I learned from Brian at Yale and I used to help me manage being a lacrosse goalie and a student that then I brought and I used when I was in the Navy was the importance of assigning every minute a task. He said, you got to assign every minute a task of your day to be productive because if you have big goals, there's just not enough time for you to be able to you know, do the things you need to do to align with your goals if you don't schedule all your time. So Kevin, when you're talking about a 168, how do you use that yourself? How is that, how is that helps you have more resilience? Because I think a lot of people would look at scheduling their time, golfers that I've worked with specifically, and they would say, man, I feel like if I schedule all my time, it's stressed out. I have no free time. And my message to them is no, you get more free time when you schedule your time because you schedule your free time. How do you use that? Yeah. First of all, you still there? Can yeah. you hear me? Okay. Good. I'm having a couple technical difficulties in my car here. Um, I use it to make sure that I'm I'm scheduling things that are important to me in my life, and that's way more than golf. So it might be uh, getting some exercise in in the morning, maybe doing a little reading in the evening, um, finding time to make sure, like, um, doing some household chores. You know, so it's more than just golf. But if if I don't schedule it, here's what I found out: if I don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. So at least when I put on my 168. I feel like I'm more aware of it. So it brings awareness to me like, hey, this was important. I put it on my schedule. I got to get it done. Uh, and it might be it might be golf related. All right. Uh, we have to leave 630 in the morning on Thursday to go to this golf regional. So get up at 545, pack the car at six, et cetera, et cetera. So in my mind then I'm not scrambling as much. I'm not as frazzled. So if I get into the minutiae minutia, when it's a really busy day, then I'm planning out probably every 30 minutes. For the most part, I'm just trying to plan out every hour, trying to get a, a make sure I have the balance in my life because it's very easy for me to lose that balance. Um, and so when I come home, I'm still the coach. I'm still the AD. That's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to my kids. So I got I got to find time. And sometimes it's putting on my 168, like, be a dad, be a husband. I know that sounds kind of funny, but otherwise I feel like I'm not present. So that that's important to me as well. 
Yeah, it's good. I think that's good advice for all the coaches listening to this because, you know, again, if you're coaching at a high level and you're listening to this podcast, there's a level of obsession. People who are not obsessed with excellence and being the best they can be, they don't listen to podcasts. They're not coming to find the Golf Mental Performance Mastery podcast. But if you are finding this, I think what I know about you is you're committed to greatness. I think what I've known about you is you're looking for more. I think what I know about you is you want to find a way to be more resilient yourself so you can carry more load and you want to find a way to make your golfers be more resilient so they can handle more of the stress that comes with trying to be elite at golf. So Kevin, last thought for you here, man, if you, if there were golf coaches listening to this and a lot of the golf coaches listening to this won't have gone through the mental performance training at the level that you have. I mean, you've been doing this now probably what, eight years at an elite level and a deep level. What would you say, you know, now about resilience on the golf course in developing golfers that you wish you knew when you were getting started in your golf coaching career? Yeah, I think that the key is this, that um, you have to teach it. Like I, I find so in working with coaches across all sports as an athletic director and teaching some classes uh, for the state of Michigan, you know, coaches are always worried about the physical part. Like I got to work on this. I got to work on this. I don't have time to train the mental game. Um, and that's unfortunate because what I have found through working with you all these years is if you're not teaching the mental game, you're not giving your, your student athletes an opportunity to be successful. So it's finding time. And trust me, it's not always easy when, when kids are struggling to hit straight balls. You want to spend time on the range. I get that. But it's finding time, making time to make sure that you're teaching part of that mental game. I mean, golf is 90, 95% mental. After the PGA Championship last week, I read something on Twitter that said, you know, uh, an average round is four and a half hours and, you know, about four hours and 10 minutes of that round golfers are thinking has nothing to do with being physical or being an athlete. So how are kids thinking during that time? Like how can we help them to train their brain to release a little bit and maybe not be thinking about the game all the time, but once they get back in that play box, that think box, um, you know, give them them an opportunity. Cause here's what I, and, and talking to a lot of golf coaches this year, being a rookie, I'm always looking to pick other people's brains is, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of people training this stuff. Right. So that's the biggest thing I think is uh, that I've learned is I have to make time and take time to to train the mental part because otherwise I, th- I think we're doing a disservice to kids. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that, to, you know, resilience by definition is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, you know, and if we're talking about the capacity to recover quickly from difficult situations, as Rob Gilbert, one of my mentors and, and a mentor to you as well, Kevin, always says is life is a continual series of problem solving events. And if you want to solve the problems that are coming your way or you want to train your golfers or your children or your athletes to be able to solve the problems that are coming their way, you have got to invest in training mental resilience because mental resilience is how you are going to overcome the challenges, the stresses, the bad shots, the rejections, the pandemics. It's how you handle the stress of being an MMA fighter walking to an octagon for a championship. It's how you handle the stress of pitching in game seven of the World Series. It's how you handle the stress of everyone else is losing their mind and you have to keep yours to be able to provide leadership and direction. It's how you handle the stress of walking down the 18th fairway when you got a one-shot lead and the guy's 20 yards in front of you off the tee. And I think if you're a golf coach or you're a golfer listening to this and you're looking to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be, 
mental resilience is the answer. So I want you right now to go to briancane.com slash golf. And I want you to check out my free golf mental performance masterclass where I'm going to teach you how do you build mental resilience on the course. Kevin Guzzo, appreciate you joining us here on the No Filter Network where we're talking about mental performance, mastery, and resilience. Good luck to you in the St. Joe Bears as you push the rock this weekend to regionals and march towards that state championship. Thanks for being with us, Kevin. Thanks, BC. Appreciate all you're doing. Thank you, brother. Talk soon. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to BrianKane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for, check out my Mental Performance Mastery Coaches Certification, where we teach you about the mindset, routines, and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for. If you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast, Head over to briancane.com and click on athletes. Check out my 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes program where I walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success. Thanks for being with us here on the podcast. Let's dominate the day.